Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. I hope everybody's doing well. I'm Dinosaur George, and welcome to the podcast. It is November, and the weather just got cold in Texas. At least the part of Texas I live in. I live in uh, near San Antonio, Texas. And boy, I was working yesterday in our in our uh, warehouse, and. All of a sudden, I felt the wind blow, and it just blew in this freezing cold wind. Woo! It was cold. I had to come home and change clothes. I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt, and woo, I had to put on a long shirt. I hope everybody is doing well and everything is going great for all of you. It is so nice to be with you all again. As always, I enjoy so much having the time to do these podcasts. Today's lesson, or today's um, uh, lesson feature creature is Paraceratherium. We'll get into that in a minute. Something I want to tell you all real quick. Coming up on Thanksgiving Day, my podcast will reach its two-year anniversary. And to celebrate the anniversary of my second year, on November 25th, Friday, November 25th, At 10 a.m. Central Time, if you're young and you need to ask your parents what time zone they're in, you need to figure it out. At 10 a.m., over on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, I am going to be doing a free lesson open to absolutely everyone. The lesson topic is on what is a dinosaur. It's... A basic lesson to explain a lot of questions I get or or answer a lot of questions I get from people about different things to do with dinosaurs. What is a dinosaur? What's not a dinosaur? Well, those questions and a lot more are going to be answered at that free lesson. The only thing you have to do is you have to make sure that you are a member of the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, not the Dinosaur George page. There's a difference. The Dinosaur George page is used where we promote where I'm going to be, our museum, that kind of thing. The Dinosaur George Kids page is where you can watch this live lesson. I'm going to live stream on the Facebook group page uh, this free lesson. And everyone is welcome to join. And at, at the end of the lesson, I'm going to answer questions. So if you've ever wanted to ask a question or if you have a who would win that you've always wanted to ask, I am going to randomly select viewers and answer their questions. So again, that is November 25th in the year 2022, in case you're listening to this a year from now. At 10 o'clock in the morning, central time zone. I live in San Antonio. That's the time zone. It might be 
8 o'clock your time, or it might be 12 o'clock your time, or it could be 2 in the morning your time. I don't know. It depends on where you live. So again, make sure you are part of the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. And if you don't want to stay on that group once the video's over, you can leave the group. So you don't, it's not, you don't have to pay anything for this. And this is totally and completely free for everybody. A couple of stats to talk about. We now are at uh, 535,120 downloads of this podcast. We are heard in 161 countries and 11,852 cities throughout the world. Our website store is now open. We sell real fossils. Those you can find at dinosaurgeorge.com. We do ship worldwide. So that's available if you're interested. If you like real fossils, I've got things from very inexpensive all the way up to very expensive. It's not it's not just for kids. It's for collectors as well. All right. I want to give a couple of shout outs. This first one goes to Christian, who um, uh, is going to be a future paleontologist. He and his mom, dad, and brother came to my store at Trader's Village, and it was so nice to meet you, Christian. I enjoyed talking to you so much. You really know a lot about dinosaurs, and I know your favorites are Giganotosaurus and Acrocanthosaurus. And I told you, Christian, that I'm going to add an Acrocanthosaurus skull to that collection one of these days. So I wanted to give you a shout-out, say hi to you and your mom and dad and your brother, and I'm glad you guys came out. Uh, Mom and dad, thank you for bringing uh, your family out to see me at Trader's Village at my museum and store. Then, to all of the students at Malakoff and Toole Elementary, I got a chance to see you with my traveling museum. From there, we went to Menchaca Elementary, which is near, uh, which is in Menchaca, Texas, near Austin. I got to see all of you guys. Shout out to your campus. Then, Veramendi Elementary. I got a chance to go see all of the students at Veramendi Elementary, which is right around the corner from my house. So a lot of you students probably know where I live because you drive by my house on the way to school. And then finally, we ended up at uh, Elm Creek Elementary in San Antonio. Had such a great time at all of those campuses. And I hope you all enjoyed very much the visit with my traveling museum. Now to do some November birthday shout outs to T-Rex members of the Patreon Club. Hazel is turning five on the 22nd. Happy birthday to you, little Hazel. And then Corrine, who's turning 38 years old on the 23rd. Corrine, you you were one of my favorite people in the world. I just want you to know that. And um, you remember that that big poster that you gave me that kids could stand in front of and take a picture? We ended up hanging that behind the register at the store. So it's there. So the next time you come to the store, stop by and look at your handiwork. Happy birthday to you. Uh, And then... Uh, Connor is turning five. He already turned five on November 3rd. So happy birthday to you, Connor. I'm sorry I missed the, the, the date, but I just am now getting ready. I'm just now able to, to record this. So happy birthday to you, Connor. Ruben is turning 11 on November 24th. Curtisaurus Rex is turning six, already turned six on the 7th. That was just a few days ago. Denevice is turning 13 on the 26th. Denevice, very smart kid. Phoenix turned four back in August, but I never got a chance to give Phoenix a shout out. So I'm doing a late one for you, Phoenix. 
Four years old is a very important age, and I know you're way older than four now because your birthday was back in August. So happy birthday to you, little Phoenix. And then um, uh, Art is turning eight years old this year. So happy birthday to you, to all of you. Callan turns nine, or turn nine on the seventh. Happy birthday to you. And then Claire wanted me to give a birthday shout out to Ellie, who's turning eight on November 20th. What a nice thing to do. Um, What a nice thing to do for your sister. So happy birthday to all of you. I hope you all had a wonderful birthday. And with that, I am going to try one last time to sing happy birthday without being interrupted by the world's meanest dinosaur. And that, of course, is Cha-Cha-Cha Raptor. If you've never known about this dinosaur, if this is your first podcast, let me explain something to you. We choose a dinosaur to sing happy birthday to everybody who's having a birthday. In this case, it's everybody having a birthday in November. It, we choose a dinosaur and it sings happy birthday. But there is this little raptor that hides in this studio and comes out and ruins every single time we try to sing happy birthday. It ruins the song by running up, pushing me out of the way screaming in the microphone, cha-cha-cha, and then runs off, and then it ends up biting me and attacking me. I have no reason to know why. I don't know why it does this. So anyway, with that, we're going to try to sing happy birthday to everybody having a birthday in November. That includes all of the listeners who are having a birthday, and to you, little Phoenix, who I missed back in August. So we're going to choose a baby Tyrannosaurus Rex to sing happy birthday to you all. Everybody else in the room, Lock the doors, check under the counter, check the ceiling. The last time it was on the ceiling and dropped down. All right, are we clear? We're clear. All right, bring the baby T-Rex up here to sing. You ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. I'm going to eat you for dinner and spit out your shoes there see finally we got a chance to sing it without being what's on the ceiling fan wait do you guys see oh no get him off of me get him off He was hiding on the ceiling fan. He was sitting on top of one of the blades of the ceiling fan. We should have turned that fan off and flew him across the room. Why? Why? Really? It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. Today's feature creature is an enormous, ginormous, gigantic, big even rhinoceros this thing is simply 
so big, it's hard to get your mind around it. Its name is Paraceratherium. That name in English means near hornless beast. And let me explain what those words mean, because it sounds kind of weird. It has a relative, another kind of rhino, that is called hornless beast. This rhinoceros is very closely related to it, which means it's near to it. So the name near hornless beast means this one is close to that one on the family tree. It's near on the family tree. Hornless beast means it doesn't have a horn. This animal is so gigantic. It is 4.8 meters tall. That's almost 16 feet tall. It's closer to 15 and a half feet tall. If any of you have a tape measure that will measure 4.8 meters or 15.7 feet, I want you to go measure that and try to understand the size of this animal. It was 7.4 meters long. That's 24 feet long. I guarantee you that's longer than the vehicle that you drive. Unless, unless you drive an 18-wheeler, this animal is way bigger than any vehicle that any of you ride in. It's been discovered in Pakistan, China, and the Balkans. This thing weighed between 15 and 20 tons. How big is that? Well, most Indian elephants weigh about three tons. So this thing weighs up to 20 tons. Think about that. It weighed more than six Indian elephants. It lived in the late Oligocene, which is 34 million to 23 million years ago. Long after the age of dinosaurs. Look, you don't have to be big. You don't, you don't have to be big to be a dinosaur. I mean, you don't have to be... Uh, everything big isn't a dinosaur. This thing was gigantic and has nothing to do with dinosaurs at all. It is an herbivore and it is bipedal, meaning that it walks on four... No, quadrupedal, bipedal. Look at me. It's quadrupedal, meaning it walks on four legs. It is a quadruped. It's an herbivore. It, it literally is the height of a giraffe, but it's a rhinoceros. Now, other names that have been associated with this animal is Belucotherium, Andricotherium, and Pristin, Pristinotherium. Pristinotherium, Belucotherium, and Androcotherium. Why, why, why is one animal known by so many different names? Again, it's, it's because whichever one is found first and named first, other people might find pieces and parts of what they think are a new kind of animal, and they might give it a different name only to discover later, oh, sorry, I named it Belucotherium, but there's actually an animal that's just like it that was already discovered and its name is Paraceratherium. So it has these weird names, Belucotherium and Dricotherium and Pristonotherium, but they are all the same animal, which is Paraceratherium. It is the largest land mammal known. Now, it's not the largest mammal, because the largest mammal are whales. 
but it is the largest land mammal known. Unfortunately, they've never found a complete skeleton. So they have to base a lot of what they know on the animal by comparative anatomy. And what that means is they find what bones they have, they can compare those bones to other animals. Even if the other animals are smaller or larger, you can still compare the bones. And when they, the bones that they found, they realized, hey, these bones are like a rhinoceros. They're just giant. So then they can compare the anatomy, that means the skeleton of a rhino, to this giant paraceratherium, and they can kind of figure all the missing pieces. Comparative anatomy is a very important part of paleontology. Sometimes all you find is one or two or three bones. You've got to be able to figure out what the animal is. And you do that by comparing the bones to the bones of other animals that are closely related. Somebody asked me one day, how come you have megalodon jaws in your traveling museum, but their jaws didn't fossilize because a shark's jaws are not made of bone? They're made of cartilage. And I said, comparative anatomy. We find the teeth of megalodon. And therefore, we can compare those teeth to the tooth of a living animal, which happens to be a great white shark. And from that, we can compare them. And so we can estimate the size of the jaws. And then we can sculpt them and glue the meg teeth in them so you can see what it looks like. Well, they did the same thing with Paraceratherium. It's missing pieces, but that's okay. We can look in the fossil record and we can compare something that is very confusing to a lot of people. And I understand because I used to be confused about this too. That was, look, bones look all the same to me. I can't tell if it's a bone from a chicken or a rat or a moose. Or when you stick your little kids. But when you look really super closely at the bones, you can then begin to recognize differences between them. The difference between the bones in the hand of a human and the bones in the hand of a bear, they're actually very different. But when you look at a bear's hand, kind of looks like a human's hand, only bigger usually. But when you look closely at the bone, so that's how paleontologists are able to find like one or two bones and they can hypothesize. That means take a, take an educated guess at what the animal was because they can look through all the other kinds of bones that were found and compare them. Well, because Paraceratherium, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Paraceratherium is not, they've never found a complete skeleton. Most of what we think about it is an estimate. Its size, its weight, it's all an estimate. But there is science behind that estimate. These animals were probably browsers. And what I mean by that is that a browser is a plant eater that just kind of eats a little bit of everything. It doesn't only eat one kind of plant. It probably eats bushes that are kind of low to the ground. It eats from the middle of a tree. 
It eats from the tops of the trees. It probably goes through the forest and eats pretty much anything. Now, its fossils have been found uh, in all kinds of areas, so they probably lived in a variety of different environments. They probably didn't live out on the open plains. They're not made for bending down low and eating grass. They're, They're eating bushes and trees. So they probably lived in forested areas, and that's probably where they spent most of their time. This animal is a rhinoceros, but it does not have a horn. But that's not unusual. That's common. A lot of early rhinos did not have horns. This thing is so giant, it doesn't need a horn. Who's going to attack this animal? Not me. I'll tell you that. And humans weren't around. They couldn't have attacked it. This animal is so gigantic, there's no reason to have a horn on its nose. It's simply too ginormous. Listen, its skull is four feet long. That's 1.3 meters, four four feet, three inches long. Again, get your tape measure. Are you 4.3? I mean, are you four feet tall or 1.3 meters tall? Are you? If you are, you're the same size as the skull of this dinosaur, I mean, of this mammal. That's how big this thing is. So that brings us to predators. Well, what kind of animal would take it on? Well, there is no predator. There were wolves back then. There was meat-eating pigs. There were hyenodons. There was all kinds of, of predators during the Oligocene period that definitely would have loved to have had this guy for lunch. But the only way that's going to happen is they're probably going to take on the babies. There's no other way Unless it's a very sick and old individual who cannot fight back. There's too much danger in this. It doesn't have a horn, but it's got legs. It's got feet. It could literally crush you under its own weight. It could ram you. That'd be like being hit by a freight train. So this animal probably had predators, but those predators would have probably only preyed upon the uh, the small ones maybe the super sick or the very, very old. All right, let's take a quick time out. Uh, let me talk to you about the Patreon Club. If you'd like to become a member of the Patreon Club. Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. One of the benefits of being in the Patreon Club is your questions and who would wins always get the priority first. So these Ask DG questions all came from Patreon Club members. This first one, Owen, age four and a half, wants to know, would Tyrannosaurus and Apatosaurus have fought if they lived at the same time? What an interesting question. As you know, Owen already knows that Tyrannosaurus lived in the Cretaceous and Apatosaurus lived in the Jurassic now, Tyrannosaurs lived with some sauropods that were as big or bigger than Apatosaurus. 
They lived with them. But we don't find a tremendous amount of evidence that says Tyrannosauruses looked at them as a food source, at least not a regular food source. If Apatosaurus is what I think it was, it probably only had babies once a year, I would suspect. Maybe even less than that, maybe. But that would mean that there would not always be a food source available that Tyrannosaurus could take on when it comes to Apatosaurus. It has to attack the really young. Because once they get to be half grown, that's they, they can cause a lot of damage to a Tyrannosaurus. I don't think Tyrannosaurus would have messed around with Apatosaurus, even if they lived together. Now, babies would have definitely been on the menu. Definitely. But there's so much danger involved in attacking them if there are adult Apatosauruses or adult sauropods around. I just don't think that Tyrannosauruses saw them as a main food source. They could take advantage of them, but I don't think they would actively hunt Apatosaurus unless it was the season where the babies were being born. Then I think they actively did. But I think they would have kept their distance from Apatosaurus. Oh, and that's a good question. True Maddie. Hi, DG. When did Sinosaurus live? Hey, True Maddie, this is an interesting dinosaur. It's a carnivore, I think, out of China. They're early Cretaceous. I mean, early Jurassic, early Cretaceous. They're early Jurassic. So Sinosaurus is kind of an unusual looking predator. It's a very early version, even earlier than my beloved Allosaurus. That's a good question, True Matt. You always have good questions. Uh, let's see. Hi, DG. Nico Raptor here from San Diego. Hey there, Nico Raptor. Which dinosaur had more feathers? Nanuxaurus or Velociraptor? What a very interesting question. Velociraptor skeletons are found in Mongolia, and during its time period, Mongolia was still a relatively warm place. It wasn't, it wasn't like the desert today. It was a relatively warm place. Nanuxaurus, on the other hand, is a dinosaur that lived in the very northern parts of the, of the world, where they were subjected to much more dramatic winters, where the climate change would have been dramatic between the seasons. So I would suspect that Nanuxaurus would be more heavily feathered because it would need it more often than a Velociraptor. I think Velociraptor's feathers might have been used more for display, whereas Nanuxaurus probably used its feathers for body temperature regulation. So in my opinion, Nanuxaurus would have had more feathers. What an interesting question, Raptor. Noah, my assistant, says, do you think Smilosuchus would have been an effective predator on land? You know, Noah, looking at Smilosuchus, I am of the opinion that Smilosuchus is almost always terrestrial, meaning it's spending its time on land all the time. It does not appear to be as well suited for being in the water as its alligator and crocodilian relatives. I think Smilosuchus would have been an effective predator. Well, let, let me let me take that back. It's probably getting all of its food from land. But based on the length of its legs, it does not appear to be something that can keep a sustained high speed. It can't chase you down. I think it could be very quick for a short burst of speed. I think it would have been very fast with a short burst of speed. So um, uh, I think it would have been effective. But I suspect that it was an ambush predator. Or it was a bully. It just showed up and took everybody else's food away from it. It has a. It seems to have a very strong sense of smell, Noah. 
And that would suggest its ability to smell blood from a long distance that maybe something else had killed. So it might have just been a bully and it was effective, but it was effective because it was so powerful and armored. Nobody would hang around to fight it. All right. Zane was Giganotosaurus a cannibal. You know, Zane, that another very interesting question. That's very good. Cannibalism is where one kind of animal eats members of its own species. That's what that's what a cannibal is. A, a cannibal is not a meat eater. A cannibal is oh, well, eat meat, but a cannibal is an animal that will eat members of its own species. It doesn't mean it eats its brothers and sisters. Can you imagine that? Your brother's driving you crazy one day and you go into the house and you go, Mom, I've got news. I think I'm a cannibal. Why? Because I just ate Ryan. Wait, Ryan is your brother. Yes, and he was delicious. You ate your brother? Well, yeah, I had to put a lot of ketchup on him. He tasted horrible. See, that would be a cannibal. A cannibal is something that eats <laughs> that eats members of its own species. I'm not saying to go out and eat your brother. If your brother's named Ryan, Ryan, run for your life. Don't let him put ketchup on you. So Giganotosaurus could very well be considered a cannibal because if it's fighting with another member of its same species and it kills the other one, it's probably going to go ahead and eat it because, look, I might as well eat you. You can't fight back. I'm a meat eater. But I don't think they probably hunted other members of their own species. I don't think they were hunting them, actively looking to eat them. It's certainly possible. A young Giganotosaurus would have to be careful around adults that are not its immediate family. But I don't think they actively acted as cannibals. I think they would have would have um, uh, have eaten another member had they had the opportunity but they weren't out there looking for it. That's just my opinion. All right. Link Rex says, uh, let's see, was uh, Falcutus a dinosaur, El Stinko? Well, it was, what'd you call me, kid? What did you, what'd you just call me? Who is this El Stinko person you're talking about? Because it's not me. Falcutus was a dinosaur. If so, was it related to sharks today? It was not a dinosaur. Although it resembled a shark, it's not even a shark. It is a fish animal that is sort of related to more like the chimeras, the weird looking fish that don't really fit into any family. So they kind of fit in their own. This animal looks like a shark, but it is not an actual shark. It just has similarities to them. So I don't think it was not a dinosaur. I don't know if it even lived during the age of dinosaurs. I'm not sure. I'll have to look that up. But I know that it is not a dinosaur and it is not even a shark. It looks like one, but it's not. All right, my friends, let's jump over to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. And let me just take a look here and see. Hi, Dinosaur George. My son, Jack, is a future paleontologist, and we all love your podcast. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, McBride family. Jack also loves Legos and is very creative. Here's his newest dino creation, Death Strider gobbling up a minifigure. Hey, that's really good. And I'm glad you are creative. Let me tell you something, Jack. Being creative is part of being paleontologist. Remember how I just told you how when they find a bone and they have to figure out who it belongs to and what the animal looked like? It takes creativity 
to look at the evidence to help you understand. So very, uh, very proud of you, Jack. I'm glad you're going to be a future paleontologist. Maybe you and I can go hunt a dinosaur and we'll call it Legosaurus Rex. And I like all the pictures that you posted. Mom, dad, or both. Thank you for taking the time to do that. Here's Richard Soros Rex, who'd like to know why dinosaurs' tails get so long. Uh, hey, very good. Uh, he also suggests Scorpio Venator as a feature creature. Very good. And below is a picture of Richard Soros Rex supervising the Scorpio Venator Triceratops battle. Very, very good picture. Thank you, Burns family. Good question, Richard Soros Rex. The tails are long for two reasons. The main reason is balance. Their body has to be balanced. Uh, Richard Soros Rex, have you ever gotten on a seesaw, or we call them teeter-totters when I was a kid? One person sits on one end and the other person sits on the other, and it's a long board and it goes up and down. You Each side goes up while the other side goes down. Well, a dinosaur's body is kind of sort of built like that. And if you put a person on one end that weighs the same as the person on the other end, it will balance right in the middle. Well, that's kind of what the tail does to the front half of the dinosaur. It has to have the back half to balance it. Otherwise, it falls forward. So the number one reason why they have long tails is for balance. The other reason is for weapons. They use them for weapons to be able to defend themselves. Now, those I'm talking about the sauropods and the ankylosaurs, their tails and stegosaurs. Their tails are a little bit long because they need them to be flexible so they can swing them around. Love that picture, and thank you very, very much. And then this is great. Elias did a really good project, a science project on Spinosaurus. Lattimore family, very proud of this. Very, very good. I love the picture. Very proud of you, Elias. Very, very proud of you. Thank you for posting that picture. We love it. Absolutely love it. And let's see. Um, here is the DeRoche family. Dinosaur uh, National Monument did not disappoint. Glad to hear that. They was the last minute ad on their road trip, and they're going to be going back there very soon. Uh, Peter Dactyl, Viviasaurus, and Henry Rex were amazed. Oh, that's great. Our aunt, cousins, and grandma who gifted us with T-Rex membership came too. How nice is that? How nice is that? Henry Rex, I'm so happy you guys went, and I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I love all the pictures and the video that you posted. That's very, very good, and thank you for taking time to do that. Hi, DG. Janatosaurus loves hearing our video uh, on your recent episode. Oh, thank. He asked me to share this photo with you of this battle we set up between Spinosaurus and Giganotosaurus. Well, I'm glad you. I was able to play the video that you so nicely posted and I love this Donatosaurus. This is a great battle. I like how one foot, I really like how your Spinosaurus's head is up in the air. He's roaring in victory. I like that very, very much. Thank you for doing that. This one says, Dear El Stinko, this is my sculpture of a T-Rex right after it ate you. P.S. I hope the cha-cha-cha raped you for breakfast. Cha-cha-cha. This is from Raiden Mosasaurus, six-year-old T-Rex club member. Well, thank you very much. What did you just call me? You rotten child. You called me El Stinko. And then you said, ha, cha, 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 raptor eats me for breakfast. What kind of kid? What kind of kid are you? And don't talk, talk to me about El Stinko. No one knows the identity of El Stinko. No one. I love your sculpture. I love that you're a T-Rex member. 
But you listen to me, little kid. Don't call me a stinko. Don't ever mention those three horrible words. Cha. Cha. And cha. Worst dinosaur ever. I love your sculpture, buddy. Thank you so much. That's very good. That's very, very good. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Dinosaur Gray made a really cool video. Uh, Dino Gray, let me see for a minute. Um, oh, my, my, oh, my speakers are not working on my computer, but I've watched your video and I love your roar and I love that very, very much. Thank you so much, Johnson family, for posting this. I absolutely love it. Gray, I love that video. It is absolutely amazing. And thank you very much. Then little Norasaurus wanted to share her Lego scene with DG. Oh, how nice. She loves listening and laughing to the podcast with her whole family. She has always had a love of dinosaurs and loves to learn more from Dinosaur George. Well, Norasaurus, shout out to you, my little friend. I love your scene. I am so glad that your family listens to this podcast. So mom, dad, brothers, sisters, let me say this. Nora did such a good job on her scene. Nora is now allowed to eat candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day till she's 75 years old. Nora, that was for you, sweetie. It's not going to work. And right now your mom is going crazy. And your dad is probably stomping around the house, roaring like a T-Rex, because I just said you get to eat candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But uh, just wanted to try to help you as best I could. And that was the last time that the Ebner family ever listened to the podcast. (laughs) Hey, thank you guys so much for posting your beautiful picture. And I love that very much. And I'm glad that you all listened together. Probably not after this, but I'm glad that you do. Oh, that's great. All right. My friend Stacy Young says, uh, sent this from Kieran. Dear El Stinko, also known as Little Georgie Pants, I'm digging for new... Di- what did you say to me, kid? You. Rotten. Rotten kid. I'm not Little Georgie Pants. I'm not El Stinko. I don't even know who El Stinko... No one knows the identity of El Stinko. Smarter than Superman. Uglier than Batman. Smells like the Hulk. No one knows the identity. <laughs> so, Karen was digging for d- new dinosaurs in the backyard and checking the Jurassic World field guide. Very, very good. I hope you found somebody. It looks like you're doing a great job. I like your dinosaur t-shirt and dinosaur shoes and dinosaur sock and dinosaur head. Okay, you're not wearing a dinosaur head. I just added that part. That's great. That's really good. I'm very proud of you. Very good. And then this <laughs> this is from Everett, who is playing the piano and singing a song <laughs> about Yachuanosaurus. Oh, that is great. Thank you so much, you guys, for taking time to send that. And I love that. And I love you playing the piano, my friend. I wish I could play it on this podcast. Uh, But that is absolutely great. I love that very much. That's great. And then let's see. uh, This is from my little buddy, George Allosaurus. You are 100% not El Stinko. Just joking. You are 100% El Stinko. Okay, you rotten little kid. 
first I thought, good, this kid finally gets it. And then when you do, you turn right around and you call me El Stinko again. What kind of a kid are you? Thank you, Mom and Dad, for posting this. I absolutely love it. I love it. Okay. Oh, wow. Elkie, six-and-a-half-year-old fan from Australia, found what she believes to be a Triceratops jaw bone buried in her grandpa's garden. Hoping you might be able to confirm. Well, I will tell you something amazing about the jawbone that you have. Um, that to me actually looks like a prehistoric bison or maybe horse jaw. It's not a dinosaur, but I believe, it, at least from the picture, I believe it's probably an Ice Age mammal. I don't know if bison were in Australia, but I do think horses were. But that's what I believe it could very well be. It doesn't matter what it is. What matters is you found it. And I'm very, very proud of you that you tried to identify it as Triceratops. That's very good. That's very, very good. That's the first step to being a paleontologist, Elkie is that you are using comparative anatomy to try to identify a fossil. What I'd like for you to do now is I'd like for you and your your mom or dad to help you with this. Do a search on horse jaw, cow jaw, bison jaw, and see if you can identify any of those pictures with what you have. And if you do, post it and let us know, okay? Very, very proud of you. Very, very proud of you. That's very, very good. We have so many new members that have joined. Um, here is the uh, Shanab family. This is very good. You did a great video. I love this video. I wish I could, I wish the sound was working on my computer because I could play it for everybody. Um, uh, I like the fight very much because you're not El Stinko and you are El Stinko. Okay, what? why do you kids start off by telling me I'm not and then you say I am? Naughty little kids. I love this battle, though. It's a great battle. I'm very happy with it. Uh, hey, this is very good. This is from the Kinsey family. First time posters here. My son loves listening to the podcast and learning about dinosaurs and prehistoric animal. Owen who is six years old, has made a short video. Owen, I love this video. And again, I am so sorry that the sound is not being pumped through my system so I can record the sound on my podcast. I would play your video along with everybody else's, but unfortunately I can't. But I love this video. It's really good. I've watched it a couple of times. Welcome to the group, Owen and Owen's family. Thank you for joining. Thank you for posting. Shout out to you, my friend. That's absolutely good. Then Rowanosaurus Rex made another video, which is another really good video. And this is huge. This is a huge video with a great, big, gigantic fight. And T-Rex crashing into an enormous pile of dinosaurs. Loved it. Thank you for posting it. That's very, very cool. And then, uh, let's see, Luke Raptor. Luke Raptor from Calgary, Canada posted a really cool picture. And what kind of a T-Rex eats coffee beans, would you tell me? I love this picture. <laughs> You've got the naughtiest dinosaurs I've ever seen. You've got a, looks like a Spinosaurus eating the uh, electric cord. 
Pachycephalosaurus has ripped open a bag of beans. It looks like a raptor has crawled up into the filter in the coffee maker. I don't know about you guys, but I have never been around coffee-saurus rexes before, but that's so cool. Helico Hudson, dressed as Dilophosaurus, did a great video. Love this thing. I love this very much. And I am so sorry, Helico Hudson, that I could not play the audio part of your video. But for all of you, go on there and you could check it out and see. My friend, Rody Lewis, uh, even got himself in the paper during Halloween, did a really cool event with a bunch of dinosaurs. Congratulations to you, my friend. That's very good. Um, and then Luke Raptor posted a ton of candy must have snagged during Halloween. Maybe I need to come over and eat that to make sure it's good. I hope so anyway. That would be totally cool. Then my friend Martin Wilmot, who does uh, events for Halloween or for birthdays and public events, he had a great video set up like this a lot. That's very, very cool. Good for you. Hope your business is going well. And then my friend Tori Sanchez just wanted to say thank you for the shout out and the podcast. Here's my lone little Postasuka's Halloween. That's so cool. Yeah, Tori, you were the inspiration for the Postasuka's. Postasuchus. That was the that was a creature that poked everybody in the eyes. Called a Pocasuchus. Postasuchus did a really good a scene, and I'm so glad that you enjoyed coming by. That's so cool. Uh, and then we have uh, <laughs> the Yance family posted a video <laughs> to see a video to see a raptor run that fast is pretty. Incredible. I love that video. That's so cool. Let's see. Connor did a post-Sasukas fighting with a, a Coelophysis with Helicoprion and Megalodon swimming nearby with Mycoraptor flying over them. Love this, Connor. Love this drawing. Thank you for doing that. That is so cool. And then Rory Raptor dressed up and she has her trainer with her. Your trainer looks pretty interesting. Looks like a pretty rough guy. Did your trainer eat all your candy? Because I've got... 10 bucks on it that says your trainer came along and ate all your candy. Love your costume. I hope you enjoyed Halloween. That's so cool. Uh, here, this is very good. Ander Rex posted a baby post being attacked by a Coelophysis. I like this one. I like this one a lot. You did the exact program, uh, the uh, project I suggested. I like that very, very much. That's very, very good. Let's see, Tamal. Uh, hey, listen, I like this drawing a lot. He drove Meg he drew Megalodon and Brigma Fisetter. I like this. Very talented artist, Tamal. You're a very talented artist, and I like this very much. That's really good. Then Lucadon was dressed as the T-Rex for trick-or-treating. Loved it. Let's see. Um uh this is so cool. The uh Greenslade Palmer family sent Isaac showing me a picture of a super cool costume. So for all of you, and, and I want you to know, I can't respond to every single one of you, but I absolutely love those videos, those pictures. They are so cool for all of you that took the time to post them to me. Uh, I just want you to know how much they mean to me and how much I enjoy seeing what you, you guys are doing for any of you that want to join the, um, uh, dinosaur George kids, Facebook page. It's totally free. And you can post the cool pictures and share them with everyone. All right, let's do this. Who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? 
Spinosaurus versus Triceratops. You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. All right. Um, to be able to submit a who would win, you have to be a, a Patreon T-Rex member. So let's go. This is Brecken H6. Sends Gigantopithecus versus Titanoboa. Man, this would be an interesting one, right? Gigantopithecus has those great, big, powerful arms. Or imagine it did. And then, of course, Titanoboa having that squeeze power. Man, you know what? It would almost look like the old King Kong movie. I think if Titanoboa can get a second or third wrap around it, then it's game over. I think it could apply simply too much pressure. But the benefit of Gigantopithecus is that it has the ability to maybe hopefully unwind it if its arms aren't pinned to its side. See, if it wraps itself around its chest, but its arms are free, it could use those arms to assault the skull or to maybe even sort of unwrap it the way you see uh, pet owners unwrapping theirs if they ever wrap uh, uh, a, a, a boa wraps himself around a pet owner, then the pet owners will oftentimes um, uh, will oftentimes sort of unwrap them to keep from being squeezed. So if its arms are not trapped, I think Gigantopithecus has a has a chance, but not a good one because Titanoboa is just simply so big. All right, uh, Quentin. Uh, Raptor would like to know who would win like Plurodon versus an Orca. This is an interesting one. Liplorodon is such a big, big animal. Liplorodon is such a big animal. Um, I don't think that an Orca, well, listen, let, let me think about this a minute. Orca could do some tremendous damage to a flipper. And if one flipper was shredded, it would prevent Liplorodon from turning very easily. It needs all four flippers to be able to turn. Orcas, on the other hand, are probably more agile. They could move quicker through the water and they could, a single orca could probably take on a Liplorodon. I think if it attacked its rear flippers, the first, you know, maybe the one on the right first and the one on the left next. I think if it dis disables those flippers, I think orcas could win. That's a very good, that's a, that's a good battle. I like that one a lot. Owen, age four and a half years old, T-Rex versus Apatosaurus. Ah, so Owen, you had sent me, you had asked me the question about if they lived together, would they fight? Now you want to know who would win in this fight. I'm going to give this fight to Apatosaurus. And for the reasons that I mentioned before, T-Rex would probably stay away because Apatosaurus would have the ability to do some tremendous damage and do that damage from a distance. Turning its giant body sideways and slapping with that tail, it could literally cause some tremendous damage. And if it ever knocks so it ever knocks Tyrannosaurus down, T-Rex isn't jumping right back up and continuing the fight. The possibility of broken bones is very possible when it comes to something as big as the T-Rex. When you hit the ground, you could potentially break a lot of bones, even if you don't. If a Patasaurus knocks you on the ground, all it has to do is come over there and stomp on you. And that's going to be the end of that. I'm going to give this to a Patasaurus. 
And then Arton, age seven, says who would win Argentinosaurus with a gas mask versus Dinosaur George. Okay, look, if you're going to give them its gas mask, my stinky underarms can't win. I have stink bombs under my arms that I can lunge. I can open, lift my arm and throw it like a missile. When that thing lands on you, you can't breathe. Even with a gas mask, Argentinosaurus doesn't stand a chance. I know. Whenever I do my laundry, I have to wear a gas mask. And it still gets in. (laughs) Junior D, age nine, says who would win? Cha-cha-cha raptor versus dinosaur George versus ankylosaurus. I have told you kids before not to say that name. That's the most horrible little creature that ever lived, and it does nothing but attacks me, and I don't ever want to hear its name again. It's a horrible creature. So first of all, it's not gonna it, it's gonna win because it it's just so mean. It won't stop attacking. All right, Ankylosaurus has got too much firepower. Ankylosaurus too big, too much body armor. Nothing's gonna beat Ankylosaurus. I don't stand a chance. And Cha 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 Raptor, I'm hoping gets hit by the tail and goes flying away. That's my hope. (laughs) Percysaurus says 12 compies versus a velociraptor. This is is interesting because there's power in numbers. There's there's strength in numbers. Even though compies are smaller than velociraptor and velociraptors have more weapons, when there are 12 of you, that can negate, that can kind of offset your lack of weapons and size. 12 of you, that's hard to fight. This is a good one, but I'll tell you the truth. I think compies would win, even though their bite is not going to be that terrifying. I think being bitten repeatedly from all different directions would be too much for a Velociraptor to handle. I think Velociraptor, if he knows what's good for it, is going to run when he sees 12 compies coming. But if it stays and fights, oh, sure, it's going to damage a couple of them, but I'm going to give this to the compies. Very good. All right, uh, Willisaurus Rex says Dunkleosteus versus Mosasaurus. Love this one. Love this one a lot. Dunkleosteus is, of course, the armor-headed monster fish, Mosasaur being the swimming reptile. Now, as you know, Willisaurus, and you know this, Dunkleosteus does not have to come to the surface to breathe, giving it an advantage. It never has to surface to breathe. But it doesn't have any armor from its from the back of its skull back it's it's more like a shark it doesn't even have bones it's it's a it's it's all cartilage mosasaur could shred this thing if it could grab it behind the armored skull in an in a surprise attack but this would be a pretty evenly based fight if it's two big specimens of both i mean dunkleosteus is just going to slice through with that those giant teeth it's going to slice through mosasaur like nothing um i would think i the only reason why i'm going to choose dunkleosteus is because it just doesn't have to surface that's enough of an advantage maybe i think all right garrett w says two brontosaurus versus three allosaurus nah okay two brontos might probably work together meaning they're going to stand there with each other to defend each other Allosauruses probably hunted together, which means they are made for taking on bigger animals by figuring out how to single one out and how to fight it. But if two of them stick together, 
even though I love Allosaurus, I believe that two Brontosauruses would be too much for out for three Allosauruses. It might even be too much for four or five Allosauruses. There's just too much possibility of one defending the other. I don't think the three Allosaurus are going to win. I wish they did because I love them, but I'm going to have to give it to your two Brontosauruses, Garrett. Good one. And then Kidosaurus says Giganotosaurus versus Allosaurus. I don't know. This is an interesting one, right? Because they're both similar in, in design, not, not the same size. Giganotosaurus being much bigger than Allosaurus. Allosaurus is probably faster, but other than that, they have similar teeth. Allosaurus's teeth may be a little better for cracking bone, but not really. Uh, Giganotosaurus having those flesh cutter teeth. I think Giganotosaurus is simply too much. I, I, I just believe it is simply too much to take on. All right, we're going to end this podcast real quick with uh, an interview, and then I'll end it at that. So I want to play you guys an interview with a young person who uh, I got a chance to do a private birthday party for, and it was so interesting, I decided to do an interview. So here we go. All right, I am with my buddy, Mateus, who is probably one of the most knowledgeable people on of paleontology I've met for a very long time. Mateus, how old are you, 38? No, um, 10. 30 and 10, that's 40. You're 40 years old. You look great no. for 40. I wish I looked as good as you when I was 40, but uh, you're, so how old are you? 10. Now, you just had a birthday not too long ago, right? Yeah. I remember because... I got to do a private lesson for you where you taught me all kinds of stuff. So thank you. That was very nice. You, you are the best teacher I've ever had. <laughs> Mateus, how long have you, uh, how long have you liked dinosaurs? Since I was three. Um, right after my third birthday, I started liking dinosaurs. Really? And is yeah. there a, a particular family or a particular species of dinosaur that you like? Spinosaurus, Sorpagonax, Cochlidontosaurus, and like any other meat eaters. Wow, so you you are theropod guy, right? That's what you like is theropods. Yeah, you know, there's such a variety of theropods. I can understand. And in fact, when you were telling me your favorites during your lesson, you you covered a lot of a lot of them. You know, like you the Carcharodontosaurids and the and yeah. the um, so I I appreciate that. I like that a lot. Um, so of all of them, if you had to choose one family that you really like, which one of them would it be? Maybe the Allosaurids. Nice. That's cool. Thank you. Cause that's my favorite dinosaur. So I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the mysteries about Allosaurus is what, if anything, did it use those horns on top of its head for, you know, they have two little, little horns. They're not yeah. like car. I mean, they're not like car. Uh, not Carcharodontosaurus, Carnotaurus. They're not like Carnotaurus. They're not heavy duty, but they're pretty. They're pretty powerful, and they were probably covered with um, uh, keratin, which is the stuff you know your fingernails are made of. Yep. So, so like when you see a modern cow, you know they have the horn bone part inside, and then they're covered with keratin. So they were probably covered with keratin. And, and what do you think they could have used those things for? Maybe mating or showing off to rivals. Yeah, that's very good. That's that's very good. As a matter of fact, when you look at modern animals, you see a lot of modern animals have that very that very kind of thing where they use different, especially in the reptile family. You know, you have horns and, and little spiky looking things like iguanas and that kind of stuff. So 
That's that's very good. Now, where do you live now? You live in Edmonton. In Edmonton, surrounded by dinosaurs. Have you always lived in Edmonton? I I used to live in Edmonton. Then I went to Prince George. Then I came back to Edmonton. Nice. So you basically have grown up around some areas where dinosaurs are really common, or some good ones, yeah. of course. Can you think of two dinosaurs that were named in honor of Edmonton? Albert, uh, Edmontonosaurus and Edmontonia. Brilliant. And I tried to trick you. I tried to trick you. I thought you were going to say Albertosaurus, and then you caught yourself, and you went, wait, one minute. <laughs> Very impressive. That's very, very cool. And what about the Royal Terrell Museum? That's pretty close to you guys, right? Yeah. Have you been to that museum a couple of times? Six times. Six? My gosh. Isn't that a great museum, though? Yeah. What is there anything in the museum that you really like a lot, or do you just like the whole museum? I like the whole museum. Yeah. I, I've been there once. I got to go there back in 2007. And, um, I can remember there was one spot, if I remember correctly, where there was a room and I looked up and there were raptors that looked like they were jumping from the ceiling. Do you remember? Did you see that? Was that there? I don't know. I think I'm going to have to maybe, maybe I might go there again soon. Oh, nice. I think I'm going to see about that. Yeah, if I remembered now, I I I can't remember which museum, but I thought I thought it was that one where I want to say there was a there was a big tyrannosaurus skeleton in a room or in a section, and I saw those raptors look like they were coming off of the like up there was a balcony and they were leaping out. I I, I can't remember if it was that museum, but if you guys go again, look for that. And and let me know if if that was there because I, I I remembered seeing that I just can't we see in 2007 I was filming for my television show and so we were going to museums all over the place and we were on a really short schedule like we were in Canada I think for two days and then from there I think we went to Washington D.C. to the Smithsonian and from there I want to say we went to Oklahoma to a museum and then North Carolina. So it, we, we went to so many museums so quick. I, I can't remember. I just know that's a beautiful museum uh, with some um, amazing I, stuff. Um, I do remember that there was a balcony and I think there was a T-Rex skeleton. So it might be possible that there, that there were the raptors there. Ah, good. Good. I hope they were. So let's talk a little bit about school. What grade are you in? Uh, five. Wow. What are the subjects that you enjoy the most? Science and math. Oh. I like math because it's easy. See, math is hard for me. I'm so proud that you're good at math. I'm terrible. You want me to show, want me to show you how bad I am? Ask me what two plus two is. What's two plus two? I don't know. Why did you want to embarrass me in front of everybody like that? I cannot <laughs> believe you would do that to me, kid. Seriously, it's seven. Okay, so... Now that we've established that I am good at math and you're not, that's good. You, uh, <laughs> you also like science, huh? Yeah. What have you thought about what you'd like to be when you grow up? Any idea yet? Paleontologist. Oh, I bet you'd be a good one. I bet you'd be a very good paleontologist. You know, a lot, you know, when you and I were speaking before, 
I was really surprised at how much you knew about uh, about paleontology. Very intelligent young man. And how old are you? Forty, right? So you're a forty year old man that knows about paleontology and is terrible at math. These are the things that we've learned tonight about you. You're terrible at math and you're forty. Are you married? No. Are you tricking me? Because so far you've misled me about your age and you've lied about your math skills. So are you tricking me now, child? No. Okay, I'm just checking. All right. <laughs> so you can remember when you were young when you started liking them. Can you remember what what is your first memory of something that made you start to like them? Was it a movie or was it toys or was it a museum? Can you remember? I think it was um maybe a stuffy or something because maybe a movie. I don't know. Oh sure. Because I because I remember I did watch the Good Dinosaur then, so maybe that started making me like it. Right, dinosaurs. and yeah, that could have been. That certainly could have been. Sometimes, um, well, you know, Canada's one of uh, one of the greatest paleontologists actually in the world, not just Canada in the world, is Dr. Phil Curry, and um, Dr. Curry remembered he got a toy dinosaur in a box of cereal. And that's, he remembers, that's what got him started. So it's, it's kind of fun. If you can think back to something that made a difference for him, it was that, have you ever met Dr. Curry before? No. He is one of the nicest people. He and his wife are two of the kindest people you'll ever meet. Um, Now he's got a museum, but I don't think it's close to you guys. I think it's further over towards, um, oh gosh, I can't remember what part of the country it's in. I think it's over closer to Alberta, uh, north of Alberta, I think. But he's got a museum that looks great. I can't remember the name of it. But if you guys ever take a long distance trip, that would be a fun museum to look at as well. I think that'd be cool. So do any of your friends like dinosaurs? Uh, not really. But, you know, that's okay. They, they can like whatever they want, right? If you like them, you keep studying them. Now, do you have a lot of dinosaur books? Yes. Very good. Very proud of you. Um, one of the one of the things that that you'll learn as you get older is when you read something about a dinosaur, it stays in your memory longer than if you watch a movie about a dinosaur. I mean, you can remember things from the movie, of course you can. But what I'm talking about is like there's a lot of young people that love like the Jurassic Park movies, and they watch them all the time. But if you ask some how big Tyrannosaurus is, they don't know the size. They just remember how big it was in the movie. But if you read books, a lot of times you can remember those sort of facts because your mind absorbs it better when you read. So I'm very proud of you that you're a good reader. Let's talk about the Spinosaurids. The Spinosaurids. Um, Do you believe that they were all fish eaters? Maybe. They're awfully big dinosaurs, aren't they? I've always wondered, how does Spinosaurus catch enough fish to be only a fish eater? It's got to be eating other things, right? Yeah. Especially when it lives with such big herbivores. It could, maybe it could like spread some of the medium-sized, weaker ones. Oh, sure. What about... now? 
and I don't know how it would do it, but you know how crocodiles will ambush prey. Yeah. Um, one of the things about large dinosaurs, Mateus, is that large animals prefer to walk out into the water to drink. The only exception to that is giraffes. But large animals generally don't like to drink from the shore. They like to walk out a little bit into the water. So I would suspect dinosaurs do the same thing. Maybe that's how Spinosaurus was able to catch prey. Maybe they see the big sail moving through the water, but maybe it doesn't make any sense to them, right? They, they don't have any idea what it is. And so maybe it is an ambush predator, like a crocodile almost. Now, you had said you like um, Sorophaganax. Where did you learn about Sorophaganax? Um, I think a TV show. It's a big dude, isn't it? Yeah. So do you think Sorophaganax used its arms and hands against its prey? Or do you think it acted more like a Tyrannosaur where it just didn't use those arms? I think it used both. Like, um, like I think it used as much as it could to deal as much damage as possible. That's a very good point. That's an excellent point. So I want to ask you a hard question. Why would it want to be able to do a lot of damage really quickly? Because then if it does it quickly, it won't get hurt and, and it has a better chance. Like it can do a lot of damage, spin out, do a lot of damage, spin out, and slowly the prey will die. And that would be a very good tactic. That is absolutely brilliant. That's a great observation. And, the, and you're correct. Oftentimes, people think of meat eaters as these mindless killers that just rush in and beat everything up. And that's not true because you're not going to last very long if you are a carnivore and you get injured. Because if you get injured, unless you have family members to help you heal, you're out of luck, right? Yeah. 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 So I agree with you. Even though it's a giant dinosaur, it's something I call the slash and dash. Rush in, do as much damage as you can, run back, and just stand back. And if the animal runs away, you follow it. If it limps away, you follow it. And it begins to lose a lot of energy because of the blood loss, and you simply wait till it can't defend itself, and then you go in and finish it off. So I agree with you. I think they would have been using those claws as a weapon. I think all allosaurs are one of the few giant carnivores that use arms. Carcharodontosaurids maybe did as well, right? They've got relatively long yeah. arms. Uh, Spinosaurids could. It's those tyrannosaurs and those abelosaurs that, that aren't doing that. Are you familiar with the abelosaur dinosaurs? Yes. Can you name one? Abelosaurus. Nice. Name a carna name name a Carcharodontosaurus other than Carcharodontosaur. I think Giganotosaurus or Macrosaurus. Both of those are correct. Nicely done. Nicely done. And smart kid. You need a job? You're 40. I mean your math skills are awful, but I could still consider hiring you. I know you want to talk it over with your wife first. That's fine. That's fine. I don't want to rush you into anything. <laughs> <laughs> so um other than dinosaurs do you have an interest in other prehistoric animals 
Yes. What kind of other animals do you like? Like saber-toothed tigers, helicopion, um, and and also lots of stuff from the Permian. Ooh, nice. Nice. You know, the Permian stuff was weird. It was weird. I mean, there were some strange-looking animals. Have you ever heard of the Gorgonopsians? Yes. Yeah. Those guys were pretty pretty mean-looking animals, weren't they? Yeah, the Gorgonopsians. Um, Russia and Texas have two of the best places for Permian stuff. I, I'm lucky. I live in Texas. So Permian stuff. I found Dimetrodon teeth, and I found some Dimetrodon vertebrae, but that was it. But uh, Dimetrodon's cool. But Russia had a lot of those Gorgons, those Gorgonopsians, and they were amazing. Now, what about pterosaurs? Do you find pterosaurs interesting? I like the big ones. Ah, can you name Quetzalcoatlus, a big one? Um, I think there was a new one, like kind of I think there was a new one discovered in Mongolia, and I also like Pteranodon. Oh nice. Nice. So you you seem to like the larger of all the different species, right? I mean, are you yeah. that's what you like? Yeah. I think that's fascinating. So if you are gonna become a paleontologist, do you think you want to be like Dr. Curry, where you're going to focus most of your attention on theropods? Or do you think you might focus your attention on something else like ceratopsians or sauropods? I feel like I'm going to focus um, more on theropods. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame you. Hey, what about the one that was found in Antarctica with the little funny looking little thing, little wave thing? Had a boy. Um, I find Crylophosaurus pretty cool. I like Dilophosaurus. What about Ceratosaurus? Have you ever studied Ceratosaurus? Yeah. That's cool. How many fingers did Ceratosaurus have? Four. You see, you've finally proven you're good at math. Because you are correct. It has four. Oh, you're such a smart kid. Are there any questions you have for me? Would you like to ask me anything at all? Um, what do you think are the top five biggest carnivorous dinosaurs? Well, you got to go with Spinosaurus, Giganotosaurus, Maposaurus, Saurophaganax, Tyrannosaurus. That would be my top five. Well, where does Carcharodontosaurus fit in there, though, right? Man, that's a tough one. You know, Carcharodontosaurus is not, is nothing to laugh at. That's a bad dude. Um, but I think Tyrannosaurus Rex, I think beats out Carcharodontosaurus maybe, or maybe Maposaurus. Maybe Maposaurus comes off that list and Carcharodontosaurus goes on it. I don't know. What do you, what are your thoughts of the top five? Spinosaurus? Um... I've I've seen a lot of different ones, but I feel like Spinosaurus first. I think from the one from the main one I've seen it, that I remember correctly, it was Spinosaurus, Carcharodontosaurus, Giganotosaurus, um, Mapusaurus, uh, or maybe Mapusaurus, and then Giganotosaurus, then T Rex. Yeah. One of the things about Saurophaganax is they've never found enough of it to definitively estimate its size. So, so same with Epanterius. That's another giant Jurassic dinosaur. Epanterius, some people feel Epanterius is Saurophaganax. Some people feel 
Epantereus is its own species. Some people feel Epantereus is, is Allosaurus. There's a lot of debate because they've not found a lot of either one of these animals. So I still believe in my mind that the biggest carnivore is going to come from the late Jurassic. Why do you think I think that? Can you guess? Because there are a lot of sauropods. There you go. There you go. Right. The biggest dinosaurs, the majority of dinosaurs in the late Jurassic, all the sauropods, or most of the sauropods are living then. And therefore, if there's a prey that's that big, there has to be carnivores to prey upon them. They can't just eat the babies and not eat the adults because there's simply too much food there. So it's my opinion that one day they're going to find a complete saurophaganax or enough of it to determine exactly how big that dinosaur is. And I think it's going to rival all of them. It may not be as long as Spinosaurus, but I think it's going to be up there in spot number two or maybe number three. Um, I would love to see it anyway, because I think it's so cool. Well, my friend, I've learned a lot about you, Mateus. You're smart. You know a lot about dinosaurs. You're terrible at math. You're married. And you're 40 years old. Those are the things that I now know about you. Am I correct in all of them? No. What? Are you saying I'm wrong? Uh, okay, seriously, kid. <laughs> so, okay, so maybe you're not married. Maybe you are 10. And maybe you are pretty smart in math. I'm very proud of you. I think you're going to be an amazing paleontologist. And I hope that one day I'll be able to read some of the work that you're doing and maybe you'll discover a new dinosaur um, up in your part of the woods. I ultimately plan to go back to Drumheller. And if I ever get up there, I will certainly mention it on the podcast. And I would love to meet you and your your family in person. Maybe you guys can meet me at the uh, at the museum and we'll go look to see if I was if I remembered about those raptors or if I was crazy. Does that sound like a plan? Um, one of my life goals is to find, um, a fossil of Spinosaurus. Whoa. Then you need to get ready to head to Egypt or Morocco. And, um, get, you know what, when you go to, if you decide to go to college to become a professional paleontologist, you would ultimately get that opportunity to go. And maybe one day you'll find it. And how cool would it be that if you discover something new that nobody knows about Spinosaurus? Like it, its nose glows in the dark. Ooh. Okay, that might be kind of hard to find. All right, my little friend. Mateus, thank you so very much for doing this. I hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, did I do a podcast on Sorofaganex? I can't remember if I did or not. I think you did. If I did, I was going to say, if I didn't, maybe I should do one because you and I both like Sorofaganex. Did I do Carcharodontosaurus? Yeah, I think I did Carcharodontosaurus. Yeah. I didn't do Maposaurus, though. I'm almost sure I didn't do Maposaurus. Maybe I'll try to do him. All right, buddy. Would, is there anything you'd like to say to all the listeners all over the world? Um, thank you to listen, for, to, for, to listen to me. Thank you. That's great. That's very good. What a good guy. All right, my friends. That is your podcast for the day. Keep in mind, everybody, that if you are a member of or become a member 
of the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. I am doing a free lesson for everyone on Friday, November 22nd, 2022 at 10 o'clock Central Time Zone. This is a lesson on what is a dinosaur. It's a fun lesson. Parents, I hope you join in because this might answer a lot of questions that you might have about dinosaurs. That's what it's meant to do. So for everybody out there, be kind to each other. Make absolutely sure that you are polite and friendly and courteous. Always tell your parents you love them. And if I said that you get to have candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I just want you to know that's not okay. (laughs) You're not allowed to eat candy, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You can enjoy your candy, you little stinkers, but also eat healthy. I need you all to be healthy so that you can come with me and dig up a dinosaur one day. Until next time, everybody, have a great day. Happy birthday to all the November birthdays, and I will see you guys soon. Take care. to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah.